This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Ronald takes the snap, looks left under pressure. Bullets one over the middle. Welcome back to another episode of the Cool Your Jets podcast. We're your host, Ben Blessington. I'm Michael Nania. We are back with another preview podcast as the Jets play the 49ers this weekend after a pretty depressing and disappointing week one performance against the Bills where they lost by 10 points. Sam Darnold looked pretty bad. The defense was underwhelming and overall just a pretty terrible performance and certainly worse than the uh, scorewood uh, signal. Um, but Michael, after that, depressing opening how are you doing man uh we're a few days away from san francisco i know you're a little more optimistic about this game than other people on jets twitter uh given the 49ers traveling west to east they're battling some injuries um we're gonna get more into our game predictions but you don't think it's all doom and gloom i guess uh for this week yeah i actually feel pretty good about this game and you know you opened up the show with so much energy so i'm (laughs) gonna go ahead and bring some of my own now about this game uh, I, I, I do feel pretty good about this game, and it's really only because of one stat. The Niners are 0-3 without Richard Sherman, so it's impossible for them to win without him. That's a complete fact. This game's over already. All right, sweet. So we can go ahead and pack it up. We're 1-1 and one heading into Indianapolis. You can follow us at CYJ. <laughs> yep. That's our two-minute podcast. Well, uh, there are some things going towards the Jets this week, despite their terrible performance and the injuries they're battling themselves, including placing Le'Veon Bell. Denzel Mims and Blake Cashman on IR. So they won't get them back until uh, I believe the Cardinals week five. Um, So the Jets are battling injuries. Obviously Sam looked uncharacteristically bad before we talk about San Francisco, Michael, let's go back and talk about Buffalo. We obviously did a a initial thoughts podcast on Sunday that, that dropped on Monday, just breaking down the game. But now that the all 22 finally dropped literally today on Thursday, um, what are your thoughts on the game? Any, any last impressions after you had a chance to go back, see it, all 22 players, you graded Sam Darnold that dropped on Jets X factor. Um, I mean, was this performance as bad as you initially thought? Is there hope for uh, a better game on San Francisco? Your thoughts on Adam Gase, just your overall uh, view of this Jets team heading into Sunday. Yeah. Well, the NFL took three years to release the coaches film. So I was hoping to get to it a lot earlier and now be able to get to some San Francisco stuff, but thanks to the NFL for that. But uh, to start the positive, I think 
at the two tackle spots on offense, there's a lot to like. Becton was really impressive. Not perfect by any means, but for a guy starting his first career game against a couple of very good veteran edge rushers and Mario Addison and Jerry Hughes, he was really impressive in, in the passing game and the run game. Uh, a lot of the stuff he was dominant with at Louisville was translating the down blocks, just moving people from one hash to the other, um, clearing the edge in the run game. And then in pass protection too, his sets looked really good. It didn't seem like he was just, you know, a, a huge guy winning with size. He looked really refined. And then on the other side, George Fant, he did a great job against speed rushes. Anytime they tried to beat him, the rip move to the outside, anything with speed, you know, trying to get outside of him. He was almost perfect with those. I had him winning 14 of 15 reps against outside rushes. Uh, he did struggle with power inside stuff a little bit. I had him winning uh, five of 10 on power or inside moves. So obviously that's got to get better, but he contained the edge really well. And in the run game, he was solid too. So with the tackles, really like, uh, I really like what they brought. I think there is a lot to work with there, specifically with Becton, but if Fan, even if it's just for this season, be an okay starter there uh that would be huge and if you know he can become a long-term piece that would be a massive bonus as the Jets try to build this offensive line but on the negative side definitely have to look at Sam Darnold it was um, a lot of those mistakes that we saw him make live on TV definitely looked just as bad or even worse when you put the film on there were open throws that he missed there were reads he didn't make correct there were open targets that he didn't see uh there were a lot of mistakes. I think that if he played average by his own standards, uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't be piling on Gase as much. I think this could have been a decent offensive performance for the Jets, and they could have competed in this game if he made some throws that you know we're used to seeing him make. I, I think one of his best strengths to this point of his career is that he's converted really well when opportunities have been there. Maybe he hasn't carried them as much. Uh, when things have been going rough, but when they've helped him out, gotten people open, he's hit the easy throws pretty well. But in this game, he, he wasn't doing that. There were some open throws, too many open throws that he missed on. So it was a disappointing start to the season for him, but it's one game out of 16. So plenty of room for him to, uh, to turn around. And he's only started 27 games, not even two seasons worth. He's younger than, you know, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones. He, so he's, it's not over for him, even close yet. But that was definitely a disappointing start. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. I mean, the one play that we were really perplexed by probably more than any other was the one where he just ran out of bounds. I mean, there's the interception, there's some missed throws, but the one where he just ran out of bounds and took a sack on third down looked even worse on the all 22 when you saw that Crowder was wide open for a touchdown. Right, yeah. Um, now, if you watch it back, you can see that Sam was about to throw it, and then Crowder starts cutting back inside, and so he hesitates, and then he takes a sack, and it kind of just looked like it all just happened too fast for him. But it's still concerning because if he just threw it initially, uh, I mean, that's arguably a touchdown at the very least, a huge gain. A lot of negative stuff for Sam, but I think the one positive is that, you know, I'm fairly confident that this is not the player that Sam Donald is. I think this was a bad performance for him. You could make the case that it was worse than his game against New England because – you know, the seeing ghost game, everything was going against him. He had terrible protection. You know, receivers weren't getting any separation. There really just wasn't a chance to succeed. This one, you know, I think the big thing in protection, you kind of talked about it last, 
time we had the podcast was while there were times where, where the offensive line was getting beat, it, it was more of one guy getting beat instead of three or four at once. One guy got beat. They were able to push him uh, and still maintain the integrity of the pocket. Sam still had some time and had lanes to, to escape and, and use his legs, which is something that he's very good on is throwing on the run. So I thought the offensive line was actually fairly impressive in this game. I'm not going to say they were really good, but I would say they were average, which is what we wanted for right. a minute. Exactly. That's starting a rookie with no training camp or with shortened training camp and no preseason, a guy at right tackle who was a reserve tackle for a bad offensive line in Seattle. Um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things to like uh, about this offensive line's performance, despite uh, the questions that they had coming into them. I think Sam at this point, and as I said, you know, I'm fairly confident that he's going to bounce back. I know he's going to have good performances this season. Uh, I know there's all the talk about Trevor Lawrence and stuff. And my opinion on that is that, let's save that for the end of the season. I still think that the easiest, best path for the Jets is Sam Darnold succeeding. That's the one I'm cheering for. And that's the one that I think still has a good chance of happening. I think Sam Darnold will be a good quarterback in this league. The question is, is has my optimism of him being an Aaron Rodgers, you know, shifted a little bit, maybe just based off the last year in a game. But I still think he can be a Matt Stafford level quarterback, who, by the way, is very underrated through was on pace for 40 touchdowns last year. I just think that Sam needs some help and, and he's not getting any. I think his big problem right now is going through progressions. I think that was the thing that we saw when we watched film and the things that you can do to help a quarterback who's struggling with that, who's struggling, who's predetermining throws and, and uh, is scared to get hit and, and is struggling with these progressions. There's three things you can do is you can simplify the offense and give them easy reads, which is what you saw Allen had with Buffalo on Sunday. I mean, they give him a ton of easy reads. Well, he doesn't really have that. And Gase is super complex progression based offense. You can give him great receivers who get, who create separation and get open, which make those decisions much easier because if you see a guy wide open or even that you just trust that he's going to come down, uh, those decisions become a lot easier which he hasn't had. He hasn't had either of those two things. And then you give him an offensive line that gives him time to make those decisions. He has more of that this year than he did last year, but it's criminal what the Jets have done to him in his first two and we're on to year three uh, of his time with the Jets. But I, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I, I do think that he's a much better quarterback than what he displayed on Sunday. I'm encouraged that a lot of his miscues where he just missed throws because I know that those aren't throws that he typically misses. He still had some great throws. He had a dime to Bell. He had a good play on the move to Crowder. He had a play that would have been a touchdown to Perriman at the end of the game, but Perriman fell down. It was pass interference. So overall, yeah, it was a terrible performance from Darnold, but for all the people that, that are already giving up on him, if the Jets have the number one pick, then yeah, let's take Trevor Lawrence. But I don't think the Jets are going to be that bad. Uh, the Jets aren't even close to being in that situation yet. So let's cool it on the other quarterbacks, cool your jets on the other uh, quarterback takes. And let's focus on Sam Darnold here. Um, now, Michael, when we look ahead um, to San Francisco, uh, a lot of injuries on this team in addition to what the jets have. Uh, but I would say that the 49ers have been hit harder by the injury bug this week. You talked about Richard Sherman. How good of an opportunity is this for Sam Darnold to bounce back despite the defending NFC champions and one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in all football coming to MetLife on Sunday. Yeah, I do think they're catching the Niners at a pretty good time. Uh, this, this is still an amazing team. They were in the NFC championship last year. Fantastic defense. Most of it is back, but still you're getting them on a cross country trip. Uh, they were only three and two in games on the East coast last year. And some of them were against teams much better than the jets, but their offense was a lot less productive coming over to the East Coast last year. Uh, and Richard Sherman is out, which is pretty big 
Uh, I think a lot of people underrate Sherman at this point. They think he's washed up, but you look at his numbers and also his film, teams still really don't bother to target him and go the other way plenty. He's still one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He gave up the fewest yards per cover snap last year. And over the last two years, the 49ers are 0-3 without him, which I said at the beginning of this podcast, which guarantees the win. But, um, you know, he's still a really good player, and missing him is going to be big. And they have other injuries at cornerback, too. Uh, Jason Verrett, who they hoped would make uh, his season debut last, uh, last week, he still might not play. Uh, Witherspoon is in concussion protocol, so they are dealing with some injuries there. Uh, so it could be a good time to catch them. But up front is still where all the question marks are going to be. You're going to have Becton against Nick Bosa. Great debut for Becton, but Bosa is about as good as it gets on the edge uh, in pretty much in the entire league. And this is his second season now, so could be even better than last year. So that's going to be tough. Uh, but I do – another reason I like this matchup is on the other side – you have, like I said, you had Fant in this game against the Bills, did really good against the speed rush, struggled with power stuff, but his matchup in this game is probably going to be D Ford, a guy whose game is built around speed. So that's a matchup Fant can win, uh, and it could really help the Jets neutralize this very talented 49ers front. So you look at the injuries of cornerback, I like the matchup at right tackle with Fant. Uh, and then, you know, the rest of the Niners defense, they have some good players at safety with Tart, Jimmy Ward, but linebacker, I think, is a place where you can do some damage. They do have some big names there with Quan Alexander, Fred Warner, Drake Greenlaw, but I do think that is where you can beat them with your tight ends, and this could be an opportunity for Herndon to make some noise after a pretty quiet debut. Uh, he was open a few times, and Darnold missed him, but still overall was pretty quiet, but he can make some noise in this game, but uh, I, I do like, I think there are some reasons that the Jets can definitely compete and win this game uh, at home against a team coming across the country. Uh, so there are some matchups like, and also if Avery Williamson comes back, having him against, you know, the Niners are obviously a run first team. That's the strength. Uh, that's a primary strength of their offense. And they try to build their passing game around that and the play action. So if you can get Williamson back, uh, the run defense he brings would be absolutely massive. So I think there are a lot of things to like here uh, with this matchup. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it's still an uphill battle for the Jets. San Francisco is definitely a better team than the Jets. Um, and so I know a lot of fans would be surprised to hear you say that. And I feel that you're probably less optimistic than I am in general. You're more of a realist. Uh, so it is encouraging to hear that, that you are liking the Jets' chances in this game. And I agree. I think that it's a lot of the NFL is just timing. And I think the Jets have got San Francisco in a, in a good spot this week. They are just battling a lot of injuries. They have to travel from West Coast to East Coast. They're in a better spot than the Giants because they play at MetLife next week again in the Giants against the Giants, and they'll have presumably had time to adjust to the East Coast time zone, uh, assuming that they stay on the East Coast. Um, so the Jets get them on their think, first trip. I don't know if they're allowed to do – I think I saw you're not allowed to stay if, – if your team's traveling on a road trip, you're not allowed to stay in the same place for consecutive weeks that. this year. Well, because that was the thing that Joe Douglas wanted to do against the Chargers and or against the, uh, the, the Rams and Seahawks this year. But I, I, I would imagine you're right. I wasn't even thinking about COVID. So uh, never mind on that point. But still, even just their first trip out east um, this season, they are coming off of a loss. I think there is something to them underestimating the Jets considering how bad they look. So there's a few things there, but the Jets are, you know, it's not a walk in the park by any stretch. It's still, as I said, an uphill battle. And I still don't know if I'd bet on the Jets. Um, they're also dealing with some injuries themselves, as we already talked about. 
Uh, but a new one, which was uh, yesterday by the time you're listening to this, Jameson Crowder did not practice on Thursday. Uh, we'll see about his status for Sunday. I, I am confident in the depth at slot receiver, given that I do like Braxton Berrios, but he's by far the Jets' best weapon uh, at the receiver position. So any blow um, there is a, is a big one for the Jets. Um, so that's a pretty big negative. Michael P. Ryan, though, he was limited on Thursday, so it sounds like he might be able to play. That would be huge. He had a good training camp, and it sounds like it's going to be the Frank Gore show on Sunday. So if they can split some carries between uh, Gore, P. Ryan, and then presumably Josh Adams, uh, that'll help things out. Uh, yeah, when you look at San Francisco, and you talked a lot about it, I mean, I think that Sam Darnold, if the offensive line holds up, and I mean, they're going against probably the best defensive front in all football. Sam Darnold does have a good opportunity to target these corners, but you know, you look at these corners and I'm not sure how many of them are, are worse than the Jets starting receivers. Um, so uh, there's question marks there, but when you look at the 49ers as an offense, uh, I do like some of the things that I see there. I mean, J- Jimmy Garoppolo did not have a good game against uh, Arizona week one. So similar to Sam in that respect. And their offense is, run primarily how the Jets should be running their offense this year, which they run it through their tight ends and their running backs. I mean, the receivers, I believe only had four receptions week one. They do get rookie Brandon Ayuk back. Mohamed Sanu signed, but he won't be able to even practice until Friday, which is generally just a walkthrough, but he did play in Kyle Shanahan's system in Atlanta. So he has some familiarity there, but their offense is primarily through their running backs and their tight ends. Can't forget that they do have Jordan Reed. So even if George Kittle's out, use check and Reed will still be, uh, effective as, as the tight end and fullback. And then that three-headed monster running back, Mostart McKinnon uh, and Coleman is really how they run their offense. Um, and, you know, I, I do think that the, as far as uh, Marcus Mann, Bradley McDougal matching up against Jordan Reed, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, that's at least a matchup that I'm, I'm interested in seeing. The matchup I'm number one worried about outside of Mekhi Becton and Nick Bosa, which is one I'm just excited to watch is how the Jets can defend, how the Jets linebackers can defend these running backs uh, as receiving options because they just love to throw to the running backs. Their biggest touchdown in week one was just a 70-yard angle route. Uh, I believe it was Mostert just ran a little angle route. Isaiah Simmons over-pursued, and he broke it for 70 yards. So Jimmy Garoppolo loves throwing to his running backs, and I'm worried, especially with Cashman out. Obviously, Mosley opted out of the season. It sounds like they should get Avery Williamson back for this week, but – uh, Michael, you were pretty down on uh, Harvey Lange having to play him at a linebacker. He did have a nice pass uh, breakup uh, in the second half, but outside of that, we, he was pretty bad. Uh, getting Avery Williamson back should be huge, but I know that you have some, some questions about these linebackers and coverage. So, Michael, let's talk about that matchup as the 49ers running backs versus the Jets linebackers. Yeah, this is an offense that, like you said, is definitely built around everything but the wide receiver position right now. Debo Samuel's been out. Uh, So it's a really thin wide receiver position, which is a good thing for the Jets, considering their outside corners were such a major problem in this game against the Bills. So the Niners don't necessarily have... Hey, outside of Bless Austin. Outside of Bless Austin, of course. I should have have, um, made sure that was clear, because Austin was really good in that game. But it was Desir and Harrison who were just awful. More so Desir, but I mean, Harrison was bad too. It's just that Desir is on another level with his awfulness, but... Um, when the Bills targeted those two, Desir or Harrison, seven for seven, two touchdowns, five first downs, and they committed three penalties. So 10 for 10 moving the chains against them. Uh, and I think they, the Jets should probably put Arthur Millette back in the starting lineup. I don't know why. He didn't play any defensive snaps in that game. He was solid at the end of last season and is definitely better than Harrison and probably Desir as well. So I would do that. But looking at San Francisco – 
it's going to be key, at, as you kind of touched on, May and McDougal against Kittle. Against uh, Kittle, if he does play, it, that would obviously be huge for the Jets if he didn't. But even if he doesn't play, they do have Jordan Reed. Only had two catches in his first game, but we know he's as ta- about as talented as they come at tight end in terms of receiving. Just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Then the running backs against these linebackers, Hewitt, and I mean, we already knew Hewitt was going to be a weakness, or at least I did, but um, when, once Cashman went out and you had Harvey Lange playing every snap at linebacker, uh, it was going to be tough to do anything to stop that Buffalo offense. He's he's not even an inside linebacker. Last year, he was playing mostly outside on the edge, uh, so him playing that position was – he was clearly out of place missed a lot of tackles, wasn't good in coverage. And also both those guys, a big issue was on play action, they would get sucked up so close to the line of scrimmage and Allen with their passes right over them, right behind their heads when they should have been in the passing lane. Uh, And the play action is a big part of what San Francisco does. So uh, hopefully Avery Williamson can get back uh, and fill that spot because he's that in coverage, even though he's not going to cover anyone man to man, and lock them down. He knows how to play his role in zone. He's not going to get sucked up by the play action. Uh, he's going to make sure he's in the passing lanes uh, and, and just shutting down targets. If, if he does get caught man to man, then yeah, he's going to struggle, but he knows where to be. And that's something that a lot of linebackers just can't, which we saw against the Bills. So Williamson, so huge, not just against the run, but in coverage as well, if they can get him back. Uh, and then also, it's in the run game as well with these tight ends. Kittle as a blocker, it's, I mean, he's the most well-publicized blocking. Uh, his blocking among tight ends has gotten more attention than I've ever seen for a tight end. And it's deserved because he's great at it. So that's something that, that the outside linebackers, uh, inside linebackers, everyone's got to be up to that task. Use check at fullback is about as good as they come. Uh, so the skill positions against uh, the tight ends and also the fullback is going to be huge as well. The Jets against the Bills were up and down in that area. I, Perriman and Herndon did a great job setting up uh, Crowder's catch and run, uh, but we also saw Herndon blow a block on a Perriman screen that made that play look really bad, uh, and also Perriman gave up a stuff. Uh, there, there's one play where Becton had a great block, should have been a huge run for Frank Gore, but Perriman missed a block against Jordan Poyer, gave up a stuff. So it was up and down, we saw flashes of good stuff. Also, Wesco had uh, one good block. He barely played, but he did have one good block. So there were some ups and downs in terms of the skill position blocking last week. Uh, but this Niners team is uh, – it's an offense that your skill your – your players on the outside have to be able uh, to block against their skill position players. Uh, and then the Jets on the other side have to be able to do it uh, against uh, the defense of the Niners and their depleted secondary. So skill position blocking in this game, pretty underrated key on both sides. Yeah, and, and I think kind of in the same vein of what you're talking about, that the Jets have a very good tackling secondary. When you look at Bless Austin, who I believe had the highest, if not or just in general, one of the highest uh, run blocking grades for corners. Brian Poole is a terrific tackler. Um, and that's, I think, going to be huge because the 49ers clearly love to run outside zone. Uh, runs where the corners are going to be relied on to tackle, especially if a guy like Kittle is out, who as you talked about his prowess as, as a blocker. Jordan Reed is certainly a, a terrific tight end, but he doesn't come close to Kittle's blocking. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think this is an interesting game. I mean, uh, clearly, as we talked about, the 49ers are more talented, but matchup-wise, I do think that they, they match up well with the Jets' defense. Um, when you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, Michael, give us a scouting report. I mean, what 
do you fear, if anything, about Jimmy Garoppolo? We talked about he didn't have a very good game against Arizona, but again, he was in the Super Bowl. They were up 10 points in the fourth quarter, uh, so he was 10 minutes away from being a Super Bowl-winning quarterback. Um, he seems, from what I watched, and I, and I went back and watched the entirety of the, the Cardinals game and a few games from last year, I mean, he's, a, he's an elite game manager for them, and you've talked about it, how he doesn't mess up that much, but clearly is, is lacking when it comes to the uh, being a quarterback that the Jets should fear uh, by himself. Yeah, I think, like you said, he's an elite game manager. If the Niners are running things well, they keep him protected, the run game is effective, uh, and Shanahan is just opening up easy routes for him, he will execute it as well as anyone in the league. Uh, on open throws, he'll put the ball on the perfect spot to get yards after the catch. Uh, if the check down is the right play, he'll check the ball down. Uh, so in terms of game management, he's really good at it. But like we saw in this Cardinals game, once they have to lean on him and he has to push the ball down the field, he has to extend plays, move around in the pocket, interior pressure is big against him. Uh, then that's when you can start to see him become mistake prone. He's more prone to interceptions than a game managing quarterback should be. No picks against the Cardinals, but uh, still didn't play well overall and had 13 interceptions last year. Uh, even though he threw under 500 passes. So uh, he's more prone to interceptions than a game-managing quarterback should be. He will take some some very bad shots at times. Uh, and if you can get interior pressure on him, it's a good way to force those. Uh, and it, it overall just comes down to stopping the run game, putting the pressure on him to you know have to drop back and make tough throws. But if you're not going to stop the run game, if you're going to leave people wide open, he's definitely going – to make you pay there's he's obviously not going to ever scramble uh he's not going to take ill-advised deep shots he's very good at finding the open man when it's there so uh, if the 49ers are playing well he's not going to blow it he's going to manage the game but if they need him to come through then your team is in a good spot so that also makes it important to get on top of him early so um like i think the way you put it three words is perfect for him elite game manager um he will not lose the game for them, but if they need him to win the game for them, I think your defense is in a good spot. Yeah, kind of similar to the Bills in the way that they run their offense as far as going underneath a lot, taking what the defense gives them, staying ahead of the sticks, and then taking that occasional deep shot. Because you certainly will see Jimmy Garoppolo take his shots, but I agree with you. I think that's probably the, the weakest part of his game is sometimes he'll take some very ill-advised uh, deep shots. I think the difference between them and the Bills, though, is that uh, and there's a few differences in the offense, but primarily the Bills like to run their underneath offense through the receivers, whereas San Francisco runs it through their tight ends and their running backs. They're going to throw a lot to these running backs. They're going to keep rotating them in and out, and they'll keep throwing to their tight ends and, and use check and, uh, as well. Uh, on the other side, though, for Sam Darnold, I mean, we kind of talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but now is as good a time as ever for, for Sam to have a Packers or a Texans or a Cowboys-like performance. Um, we need a New York bounce back for him, uh, for sure. Uh, his left tackle is going to be going up against probably the best pass rusher in the league right now. Maybe that's a stretch, but, I mean, Nick Bosa is certainly a generational talent, and the Jets were one Cole Beasley knee away from, from having him on the team. Um, how confident, I guess, are, are you in Sam Darnold? Talk about what he needs to do this Sunday. I mean, depleted receiving core, obviously going up against a fierce pass rush. You, you watched his whole game against Buffalo. You graded it. You saw a lot of negative things. What are the things that he really needs to, to work on and improve and do this Sunday to have success against San Francisco? I do think one way the Jets can really help him out is getting the run game 
going early on because I think there were some good signs in the run game. They had a couple of big tackles for loss that pushed the numbers down a little bit, but the run blocking, there were some things to like, uh, particularly from the tackles. Connor McGovern, I think, even had some. He did, McGovern did, I think, contribute to the one tackle for loss that was, I think, four yards, but he did have some great flashes. So I think this has the potential to be a good run blocking line. They just couldn't stick with their last game because they were down so early. So if they can stay in it early, establish that run game, I think they can get a lot more favorable third and shorts for him because that was a huge problem last year, getting to third and longs. And it was, again, in this game, uh, Darnold constantly had to pull them out of really tough situations. And, you know, there were some throws he could have made, but still you do want your quarterback to have some favorable situations where he could – know, be free to take shots, just have much more stress-free snaps throughout the game. It just makes it a lot more, a lot easier to get into a rhythm. So the Jets can help him out in that way. Uh, But I think for Darnold, it really just comes down to, I think, settling in early on, hitting some easy throws to get into a rhythm to where he doesn't have to push it later in the game, feel like he has to take shots like he did on that interception. Uh, Because I think things really snowballed for him last game. He missed a couple of throws early. Then he started to, you know, be really shaky in the pocket, uh, was locking onto his first read quite a bit. Uh, and then there were times where he would scramble and not take the aggressive shots that he usually takes. And there was one play where he scrambled up the middle instead of throwing to Chris Herndon, who was open over the middle. Chris Hogan was wide open, uncovered on the right side. Uh, but Darnold just looked at his first read, wasn't there, and took off. So I think things really snowballed and he lost his rhythm. So if he can get going early, I think that'd be really good. If Gase can draw up some quick slants, maybe get some drag routes, shallow crossers, things to get him into a rhythm, I think would be good for his confidence. And, and look, down the line, eventually you have to be able to just be confident at all times. You shouldn't have to get into an early rhythm to be, you know, to be able to bounce back. It, it shouldn't be dependent on you starting quick to be good throughout the duration of the game. Because, you know, if you, if you need that, then, you know, it's going to be tough to be consistently good. But right now, after that game, I think it is important for him to start out quick and get in a rhythm to get that confidence back going, especially with a very new offensive line that he only played one game with. New receivers, Crowder might be out, Bell's going to be out. So, you know, there's a lot going on around him. So if they can start him off quick, help him out as much as possible, to allow him to get into a rhythm, I think that would be big for getting his confidence back up so he can start feeling more confident in his footwork, hit the easy throws that he usually hits, take the shots on the run that he should take, not take the ones that he shouldn't take, uh, and just get a more balanced, just really get into his own throughout the game. So starting out quick, I think is going to be big. Yeah, I think one of the most concerning things about Sam Darnold's regression, if you want to call it that, since coming to the Jets there's been a few things that I think have been concerning since he's come uh, out of USC, but one of the biggest things, and it was something that Chris Johnson alluded to this week is his ability to bounce back. And in college it would be, well, he could, he would have a short-term memory. He'd throw an interception uh, and he'd bounce back immediately. He'd forget about it and he'd still fire a ball in the double coverage and, and, you know, throw with pinpoint accuracy. Uh, That's something that I don't think we've seen from him since coming to the Jets. I mean, it was really since his first game when he threw a pick six and he bounced back and then they ended up winning that game. Um, 
I don't know if – I guess the last two years, I guess, is what I should say. It's, he's, he seems very streaky. I mean, when he has games against the Cowboys, he completes a 20-yard pass to Demarius Thomas early. He just gets him in a rhythm. He feels good about it. He has confidence in his arm and in himself. Uh, and then things start to, to work for him. And, and you're right. I mean, if he has a bad first quarter, a bad first few plays, he throws an interception early, he gets rattled. And that was something that we didn't really see much of him at USC. And you can blame the Jets for that, for – you know, getting him hit as much as he's been hit with poor offensive line play, with bad coaching, with no, you know, receivers that he can really rely on. Um, but that's certainly a concerning trend for Sam. And it's something that he can fix um, for sure. But I agree with you. I mean, he needs to come out and have a fast start. Um, although the Jets, I mean, he had a bad game against Jacksonville and the Jets ended up losing. Uh, the first drive after the seeing ghost games, uh, I think Gase did a good job of, of leaning on Ryan Griffin, leaning on the tight ends, going underneath, and the Jets drove right down the field and got a touchdown. Obviously, the game didn't go well after that, but I think the Jets, it's very important for them to have a good opening drive touchdown. Um, Michael, let's run through both scenarios. We'll start with the Jets since we're kind of talking about Sam Darnold and, and what he needs to do. What is the Jets' path to victory? I mean, if the Jets are going to win this game and upset um, on Sunday, how does it happen? Just take us through it. Well, I, I, to go back to what you said about Darnold, I think what you said about uh, – because the even the bouncing back, the even keeled thing is something we've heard about him, you know, since he was drafted. But I think you bring up a good point that it has – that hasn't really been the case, and not necessarily in an awful way, but he's just been very streaky. When he has had it going, he's extremely confident. You look at that Cowboys game, the Texans game um, – Giants game, the Washington game, when he gets going, he'll, you know, keep rolling and just stay confident and make throws under pressure and just operate with, you know, in, within the offense really effectively. And, you know, when things go bad, then he just, you said, you said it, he gets rattled and just loses his composure under pressure, doesn't take shots that he usually would, and then panics and throws up balls that he really shouldn't be. So that's definitely been an issue, but I think with, this offensive line, there is an, an opportunity for him to be able to build that consistency. It wasn't great in the first game, but it was their first time playing together. And I think there were, I think they showed a lot that this can be a solid unit, the best, easily the best that he's played with. So for this San Francisco game, if this offensive line can hold up against a, a much greater challenge than Buffalo uh, with Nick Bosa, D4, Javon Kinlaw, Eric Armstead, it's going to be a huge challenge, but if they can be up to this, no, if they can hold up against this group, then I think it's going to say a lot about how good they can be this season. And if they can do that, I think it's going to have to come together for Darnold that they can continue playing that way. Because for the most part, throughout his career, he's been great when the protection has been good. It wasn't great against the Bills. It was average, like you said, but that's about all we're hoping for. That's what we, we hope to see this season. So if they can hold up against that defensive front, they, there are injuries in the secondary for San Francisco. They don't have their best corner, uh, and they might be down a second corner or second and third quarter uh, corner potentially based on how things go. Uh, then I think Darnold is definitely going to have the opportunity to have a really big game at MetLife. So in terms of Darnold and building consistency, if this offensive line can be as good as I think it can be, not great, but, you know, the average, maybe above average unit we hoped it can be, I think then he's going to have a really good opportunity uh, to build that consistency that he's been looking for, to be able to, you know, forget a bad mistake and bounce back from it, 
within the same game because that's something he struggled with. It's not just been game to game, but within a game, things start out badly. Uh, then, you know, he just loses that composure within the same game. Even if the pressure is not there, he's, you know, panicking like it is because he's just anticipating it because that's how bad the lines have been the past two years. But if this O-line can establish itself as an improvement over what he's had, a unit that he can trust, then I really think that consistency will come. So against this defensive line, great test to see what they've got. Uh, and if they can hold up, I think there are holes in the secondary that Darnold can take advantage of and have a, a very good bounce back performance. Right. And, and circling back to just what we were talking about before we, we move on, um, just because you brought up some things that, that did spark uh, thoughts about Darnold's inability to bounce back. And, and I, would, I would agree. I would say pretty much since his rookie season, we haven't seen it. We saw it against Detroit uh, week one. I think we saw it against Buffalo. I think it was a week 13 or week 14 because he threw an interception and they came back and he was still making, you know, uh, great throws and, and hard, difficult throws. I think you can see it pretty much it's happened since that, uh, that seeing ghost game. And since then we haven't really been able to see it. I mean, look, that's only been what 10 games since that. If, if I do my math, right, I believe it's been, you know, 10 around that. Um, so he has plenty of time to, to get back to the old Sam Darnold. But the thing that I noticed is the two worst plays from Sunday were the interception and the sack. And they were both plays that a confident Sam Darnold would make on the, on the sack that he took where he just ran out of bounds. If Sam Darnold's feeling it, I mean, he's firing that ball to Jameson Crowder as soon as he breaks up field. If you don't have access to the all 22, I think Brian Baldinger tweeted it out. So if, I mean, we'll probably put it, I think I retweeted it on, on the CYJ Twitter. So you can see it for yourselves if you haven't already, but that's a 50 yard play, if not a touchdown. And on the interception, you know, I agree that it was a poor decision. I, I, I think we disagree a little bit because I think it was a worse throw than it was a bad decision. If you look at it, the safety behind Crowder is 15 yards away from him. There's just three linebackers in front of him. And Darnold, his biggest thing was, you know, and we talked about this, it's a low percentage throw. If he throws it like he does in this game, yes, you'll have the times like last year against Oakland where he hits Robbie in. Best throws. But most of the times, like he – but Sam Darnold had the ability to – set his feet, fire, lead Jameson Crowder towards the sideline, you know, don't underthrow it. And that could have been a massive gain. If you just look at the all 22, there was a lot of space there for Jameson Crowder. The safety wasn't going to get him until he was at least across midfield, but instead he just drifts away. He doesn't want to take the hit from Edmund. So he doesn't set his feet. Uh, and he, you know, just, you know, throws it like a fadeaway jumper. He underthrows it. He leads him towards the center. So Crowder's just standing there waiting like it's a fly ball. Um, so, yeah, some definite negative uh, plays, but I agree with you. It's primarily been snowballing for Sam Darnold, and I think that's one of his just his biggest flaws so far, which is weird because that was one of the things coming out of college that he was so good at was moving on, and we just haven't seen it from him. Um, and, and as we talked about, a lot of that is scarce in the Jets. I mean, I think that play, the interception, you can attribute directly to all the shots that he took last year with the poor offensive line. He didn't want to set his feet and he didn't want to fire because he knew he was going to take a huge hit from Edmonds. So he'd rather just kind of try it with his arm uh, and see if he can fit it in there. And he throws a terrible pass. It looks like an even worse decision, um, but certainly a concerning trend for Donald week one, but I agree with you. I don't think it's, it's all doom and gloom for the jets. I don't think it's the end of Sam Donald's career. I think that the positive is that I don't think that's the player he is. I think he's going to have a much better season than, than week one would indicate. 
Um, so as far as how the Jets can win this game, I think it starts up front for sure. And I would look at Makai Becton versus Nick Bosa. Now, I would expect that Bosa would, might get a sack, maybe even two. But if Becton can do a good job of, of controlling Bosa, not allowing him to run wild, you know, has to have a good game run blocking because I agree with you. I think Frank Gore in some ways does fit this offense better. He's going to hit the hole, get his three, four yards and stay ahead of the sticks. But it starts up front for the Jets against this defensive line. They're clearly – a worse unit than San Francisco just because San Francisco probably is the best defensive line in all football. But if they can do a good job of just giving Sam some time, so he's not panicking and he can establish that rhythm. I think that's where it starts for the jets where they can get, where they can have a really good game. I think you talked about it, the depleted secondary for San Francisco that bodes in Darnold's favor. Um, so if you're going to envision a jets win, it's going to be, they do a good job at nerfing um, 40, the 49ers, uh, Defensive line, Sam Darnold has to have a Cowboys-like performance. He's going to have to, to rise to the occasion, make do with what he has on offense. Um, I think the Jets are going to have to have a good running game. Um, and when I talk about make do with what he has on offense, I mean, he doesn't have much, but he does have a guy named Chris Herndon who's, who's pretty damn good in my opinion. I think he's got to start feeding Chris Herndon. Uh, we saw it a little bit on that last drive. Herndon did start to get going. So I think he's huge for this game. If Crowder plays, obviously he's huge. Um, so offensively, that's the key. And defensively, it's, yeah, I think that the Niners' strengths do play right into the Jets' hands, but they've got to go, do a better job of tackling. Week one, there was just way too many missed tackles, and you can't do that against a better team like the Niners. Um, so hopefully week one prepared them a little bit. But definitely tackling uh, will be the biggest key for the defense and just not allowing um, their run game to beat them. Because if they can, make, if they can force Jimmy Garoppolo to try to beat them, uh, I think they're, they're in good uh, shape. Michael, flip side, the obvious – if San Francisco wins this game, how does it happen? Yeah, I think from a Jets perspective, you know, it, it all starts with that defensive line. I think that San Francisco easily could cause a ton of damage up front against his offensive line and make this another really tough day for the Jets offense, especially if Crowder doesn't play. You have probably have Barrios out there in the slot, who I think can play well for them. Uh, Robbie Sabo is at camp quite a bit, and he liked Braxton Barrios' route running, thought he performed really well. So I'm really interested to see what Barrios does if he does play, but it's, it's still a downgrade. You know, you're expecting to get less out of him than you would with Crowder, but uh, that's where it all starts. If, you know, Beckham played great in the first game, but we're expecting him to at some point have, you know, have a tough game. You would expect that out of a rookie against someone like Nick Bosa. So if, you know, if he struggles with that matchup, if the interior, which really struggled Van Rowen and Lewis in pass protection was the biggest hole on that unit in week one, if they can't hold up against Armstead and Kinlaw, uh, then it's going to be a tough day for this offense, I think. Uh, and the Jets could easily lose very similarly to how they did against the Bills last week. Also on defense, if this unit's just going to miss as many tackles as they did last week, they led the league with 16 of them, then it's going to be a rough game. So I think it all starts with that offensive line against a really good defensive front. Yeah, it's going to be not getting any momentum offensively, similar to last week, uh, where that defensive line is causing havoc. Sam Darnold can't get comfortable. The run game doesn't get going. And then, yeah, Kyle Shanahan is one of the better offensive minds in all football. He does get Brandon Ayuk back. So if, you know, if he connects for a long touchdown, it could be good night for the Jets, um, despite the injuries. Um, Michael, as far as a prediction for this game, I know you're optimistic. Are you, opti are you optimistic enough to predict a Jets win? Uh, on Sunday. Yes, I am. I'm going 26-21. Wow. That's the score I told you. I don't really have a reason for those 
uh, particular numbers, but 26, 21, I just feel it for some weird reason. I, I don't know. 26 plus 21 is 47. They're playing the 49ers. This is the second so that game. Doesn't, so that doesn't work at all. <laughs> minus two equals 47 and just divide it up. 26, 21. Pretty, ma- makes perfect sense. So 26, that. is that is that two touchdowns and then, what is that, four field goals? Yeah, no, we're going to go with three touchdowns, okay. uh, two field goals, and a missed extra point by Ficken. Okay, okay, that's a little bit better. That's a more digestible. I mean, look, I was going to go with the Niners' loss, or a Niners' win, excuse me, but then I saw the Jets look like they're going to be wearing all white because, for some reason, Gase always has the offense wear the same color jersey as, they, as the team wears on Sunday, as, as Michael and I have speculated. I'm pretty sure it's just to have the quarterback practice throw into the same jersey. Offense is wearing white. You can assume that they're going to go all white. I guess they could go white on green. But if they're going all white in the sun with those helmets, it's I, may to, I'm, I, I may have to give the Jets the Super Bowl already. Um, but I, it's, it's not even a, a joke. Darnold is 9-4. and four when he wears the same color jersey and pants, and he's 2-13 and 13 when he doesn't. So it's, it's just facts at this point. Jets should be fully committed to wearing monochromatic uniforms, um, and they should, you know, never go back to green on white or white on green. It just doesn't work. Here's how I feel is, is that I, de- I really want to give them the win because I agree. I, I do think that this is actually a much – I feel actually better about this game than I did week one. We both predicted a loss week one, but we did say I thought it would be close and I did go back and forth, but I said it'd be a loss uh, in the end. This one I actually feel a little bit better about. I, I know that if we both choose the Jets to win, the comments on the YouTube video are going to just call us complete homers, which would be fair because we based both off- picked them to lose last week. So I yeah, think- yeah, except if we're going to both take them against the defending NFC championship, uh, NFC champions after that performance. There might be a little bit of fan I, I think bias, there's but... a difference between picking them and be like, uh, yeah, I, th- I think the Jets will totally win this game. San Francisco is very overrated. I think we'll be in the Super Bowl. This was just a roadblock. There's a difference between that and just being like, look, I think there are very legitimate reasons the Jets can win this game. I'm not saying they should be favored or it's guaranteed, but I feel good about it. That's what we're saying. It's it's like last week where I go back and forth. It really does come to the trenches specifically for the jets offensive line for this versus their defensive line, where you would assume they would have the advantage, but if they can get an average performance out of the jets, I might take this. Ah, oh, fuck it. I'll take it. I'll, I'll go with the jets. We, we, the jets Twitter needs some, some optimistic takes after this horrific week. I'll take the jets in this game, but again, it's very close and that's an upset pick. I don't think the jets are going to the super bowl. I don't think the jets are a better team than San Francisco. Wait, wait what was that? You, you don't think they're going to the super bowl? <laughs> uh, you, yeah. You might have to make a few calls there, Michael, but um, no, I'll take them in this game. I, I, I like the biggest factor is really uh, them having to travel from the West to East and the injuries that they're battling. Plus, I do have confidence that Sam is going to have a bounce-back performance. I think he was pretty embarrassed about week one. So I, I, I like a motivated Sam going up against a, a Niners team traveling cross-country. And I know you go ahead, comment that we're crazy. We definitely are. And when we have the reaction pod. without Richard Sherman. When we have the reaction pod on Monday <laughs> after they've gotten blown out, we can both just hang our head in shame. But I guess the important thing to remember about these games is it's early. You know, I don't think the Jets are a particularly good team. But even if the Jets lose this game, and then let's say they beat Indianapolis the week after that, which, again, tough game, but they did lose to Jacksonville, then the Jets are sitting at 1-2 and two going into a Thursday night football primetime game. So the season is not over. 
especially this early on. I mean, the Jets did start 0-4 last year. So I think that the Jets won't start that bad this year. I think they'll probably open it up 1-3, and um, maybe 2-2. Two and two, But I, I think I'm going to take them in this game. So as far as the final score, I'll go, I'll go 27-19. to 19. How about that? Okay. How about that for a, That's for pretty a weird, weird score? That's a weird score for sure. Well, I you think, think scores that, are weird. But then when you look at the actual scores of the games that happened, most of them are pretty weird. That's just how it plays out most of the time. I'm going to say that the Jets do a good job of, of in their red zone defense, of, of holding San Francisco to a lot of field goals, and that Sam has a, has a very good performance, one that we can put up among the top of his, uh, of his games. But, yeah, I mean, certainly – optimistic takes from from the cooler jets duo this week we'll we'll see if we look like idiots or geniuses on sunday knowing the jets i probably shouldn't have put any hope into them probably look like idiots but you can follow us at cyj pod on twitter if you want any more crazy optimistic takes um <laughs> you can follow michael at michael underscore nania myself at ben w blessington listen to this podcast itunes spotify jets x factor which is the best place to go for jets content i've uh, been pumping out a lot of stuff you know, all summer, but especially as we get into the season, the content's even better. So make sure you check that out. Uh, Michael, any last words? Yeah, I mean, we have a ton of awesome stuff at Jet uh, at Jets X Factor. Hope, we were hoping a lot of it would be earlier in the week, but Game Pass had different plans. But I had my Darnold grades out today. I had some Makai Becton film. Um, Robbie and Joe Blewett are going to have a ton of stuff coming out the next couple days. Joe Blewett, I think, did a over three hour film review on the game today so that should be out by the time <laughs> you're listening to this so a, a ton of good stuff hopefully you, you, had, you, had, a, you had a punting breakdown I, I did see you had a punting. Yeah. oh how how can i forget about that? that's an absolute crime i should be arrested for that but i did do a breakdown on every pun from Braden man's debut a lot of promise from him uh, so definitely check that out but also bless austin one he was fantastic as well film breakdown on him so Ton of awesome stuff. I think we have by far the most film and analytics on the Jets out of anyone out there. Yeah, I wouldn't so even say not, the most by far. I think 90% of the Jets film that exists is on that site. So, yeah. And also the advanced stats. So, yeah, definitely. We're, we're working hard, even though this team is really – it makes it hard to work hard looking <laughs> at them. Yeah, when we're doing these game previews and they're 0-7. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how can the Jets win this game and, and get to one and seven and turn the season around? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll it be comes down to the skill position blocking. Uh, yeah, predicting wins against Kansas City. Um, yeah, nowhere else can you find this content. If you consider yourself a, a football nerd and you love the Jets, make sure you check it out. But tweet us your score predictions or comment on YouTube. Let us know that we're complete bozos for predicting uh, the Jets to win this game. I agree. Michael would agree as well. Um, but again, we hope everybody's having a safe and healthy week. We're excited for Jets football this Sunday. Let's hope they can hold up their end of the bargain and at least give us an entertaining game. Um, so go Jets. Arnold takes the snap. Looks left under pressure. Bullets one over the middle. 